Okay, so Jonah, uh, the story of Jonah is a pretty familiar story, uh, but I'd like to talk about it for a little while anyway, okay, rather than just assume you know how it ends. Uh, Jonah was a prophet. What was a prophet? Why were there prophets? Okay, and maybe to help us answer that question, I'd like to go back to the very beginning of the Bible. We kind of, as we kind of tell this story here, God calls a guy by the name of Abram, and he says, go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. So Abram went as the Lord had instructed him. And as we've talked about, Abram goes into the land of Canaan, and what we call sometimes the land between. It was kind of this place in the middle of the middle of the middle of the ancient world. And God says to Abram, I'm going to make you into a great nation. You're going to have kids, and they're going to grow, and they're going to multiply, and you're mission in life is to be a light as a, as a people group to the nations. And so Abraham has Isaac and Jacob, and the numbers grew, and, and the leadership eventually changed. So Abraham, and then eventually Moses, and then we have Joshua, and then we have Gideon, the other judges, and we've talked about David, and all these people were, were leaders of God's people, and the overall goal was to say, hey, God has called us to be this group of people to be a light to the surrounding nations. And as we talked about last week, there were also some leaders of God's people that were not good leaders, like Jeroboam, who did evil in the sight of the Lord. And when these kinds of things happened, then the people would follow the leader. And if the leader wasn't a good leader, then the people were not doing things the way they should be. And so then God would send a prophet to say, hey, you guys, wake up. Remember who we are and whose we are, and remember our purpose. We're supposed to be a light shining in dark places to the surrounding nations. You're not doing that. If you're not, and if you don't do that, then God's going to punish us. So this was, this was Jonah's job description, if you will. Okay? So Jonah is first mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14. You don't have to turn there. Uh, but you can just make a note of it in your head, or if you're actually taking notes, you can do that as well. But here's what we learned from 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 23 to 25. Uh, Jeroboam II, which is no relation to the Jeroboam we talked about last week, Stacey talked about last week, uh, he was king, he was the 13th king in the nation of Israel in the north. He reigned for over 40 years, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, similar to Jeroboam I, even though there was no relation. And so the nation of Israel is in this turmoil spiritually. And Jonah is a prophet. And 2 Kings 14 tells us that he is from a town of Got Heifer. Will you show a map up here? Okay, Got Heifer is circled in the red there. And you can see its proximity to Nazareth, just south of Got Heifer. So Jonah's a prophet. He's from Got Heifer. He's living in the land of Israel during a time of spiritual turmoil when he receives this word from the Lord. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. If you have a Bible that looks like this, that's found on page 1359. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay, so God says to Jonah, go to the great city of what? Nineveh. All right, let's go to the next map here. Oh, this is Gotheffer. Okay, go to the next, next one. 
What's that? That's, just go to the next slide. Okay, next slide. Maybe. I don't know what that is. White screen. There we go. Okay, so Jonah is from God Heifer. You can see it kind of down there in the white. And he's called to go to Nineveh. Okay, Nineveh was the great city. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire was the largest empire known in the ancient world. Uh, not only was it a large area, the Assyrians also had a reputation. They were very strong militarily, and so they kept conquering greater area of land. Not only that, they were known for their total brutality in war. It wasn't just that they were really good at war, but they were totally mutilating their enemies. So much so, uh, for example, the, uh, Shalmaneser III, who was king of Assyria shortly before Jonah, uh, there are some picture or inscriptions that are decorated on this massive wooden gate in a town just outside of Nineveh. And I want to show you this picture. I should have a laser pointer with me, and I forgot it, but um, you can see here uh, there are hands and feet that are just kind of scattered throughout the ground there. There are people that are being impaled and there are severed heads sitting on a wall. This was a picture of Shalmaneser and him showing the world, hey, look what I've accomplished. And if you have any fear, just, just know that I'm, I could come for you too and this, this could be your life. You can take that off and go to the next slide. This was the reputation of the Assyrians. Not only that, the prophet Nahum also described how dark and ugly Nineveh was. He says it like this, it was a city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. Many casualties, piles of dead, bodies without number, people stumbling over corpses. This was the reputation of Nineveh. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Of course he ran away, right? Of course he ran away. If God tells you to go to like this place where the ISIS crisis is going on right now, anybody ready to go board a plane and get over there right now? No. Of course he ran away. Even though there was this turmoil that was going on in the northern kingdom of Israel, God was saying to Jonah, hey, it's even worse over there and I need you to go over there even more than I need you to stay at home base. But Jonah fled. Uh, and not only did he just decide, okay, so God Heifer is here, Nineveh is here. Go to the next slide. Next slide. He goes down to Joppa. You can see the little port on the coast there. And he gets on a boat to head to Tarshish. Go to the next slide. Uh, the map. That one. There you go. Okay, so, so he's from God Heifer. God tells him to go to Nineveh in the northeast. Instead, he goes southwest to Joppa, and he goes to Tarshish. 
Now, we don't know exactly where Tarshish is, but it was actually a metaphor used in the ancient world for the furthest known place on a map. <laughs> and during King Solomon, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 10, it tells us that if a ship was to go to Tarshish, it would take three years to get there. So God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, and Jonah decides to run away in the opposite direction as far as possible. It's not just this, mm, that sounds scary. I think I'm going to sit on my couch and eat chips and watch Netflix instead. Like he is, he's running as far away as possible in the other direction. Now, the rest of the story of Jonah is so good that I've actually asked a, a few friends to come up and help us tell the story. So will you just welcome our friends as they come on up here and they tell us the story of Jonah.
Let's give them a hand again. Can we do that? That was awesome. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And then chapter 3 kind of tells us that the people of Nineveh then believed in God. The king of Nineveh issued a decree for everyone to urgently call on God, begging them to give up their evil ways and their violence. And then verse 10 describes how God's compassion comes to the people of Nineveh which is a pretty big deal after describing who the Ninevites were. In the story of Jonah, God's grace towards Jonah, I think, is pretty persistent. God's grace comes through a storm to try to help him get back on track. God's grace comes through pagan sailors, a fish, and its vomit, apparently, And God's grace comes to the king of Nineveh, and eventually God's grace comes to the people of Nineveh. Something I think that would be helpful for you to know about me. I I hate fish. I hate the taste of fish. I hate the thought of fish. I hate the smell of fish. And yes, for those of you that are wondering, Every kind of fish is totally disgusting to me. Yes, it's walleye or shrimp or perch. I always get asked that question. Even like, yes, even that. It's disgusting. (laughs) So uh, a few years ago, Stacey and I had just started dating. We were living in Jerusalem at the time. We started dating over there. We came home for Christmas to meet the parents. And we decided it would be good to go out for dinner with uh, my mom and dad and, and Stacey and I. And my dad enjoys fish, as does my wife. My mom and I do not. Somehow we decided it would be a good idea to go to Red Lobster. <laughs> now, I thought, I don't like fish. I'm not going to order fish. They offer chicken. It's going to be okay. I love Stacy enough. We can go to Red Lobster. So we walk into the restaurant, and the smell in that place was just totally overwhelming. It was like this wave of, I can't even begin to, I'm literally like trying to hold it together in the lobby. Like, I'm like, I'm going to throw up. It's so, it's so strong in here right now. And my mom was like, right, what are we doing? Uh, we, we, we can't do this. This is disgusting. So my mom and I decided to walk across the street to Ruby Tuesdays, and Stacy and, uh, and my dad decided to enjoy their, their night at Red Lobster. This was literally like Stacy's first conversation with my dad. So <laughs> I hate fish. I cannot begin to imagine what it would be like to be inside a fish for three days and three nights. I mean, the smell has to be somehow worse than the red lobster smell that night. Jonah is inside the fish, and he is praying his guts out, as I think he should. Uh, Turn to me, if you have a Bible, to uh, Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. Jonah ends his prayer like this. Verse 9, but I 
with a song of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Do you guys want to know what the Hebrew word for salvation is? Yeshua. The Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. Say Yeshua. Also can be translated as Jesus. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Yeshua belongs to the Lord. Jesus is the salvation that belongs to the Lord. And then about 800 years later, the Yeshua prophesied this statement. Go to the next slide. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And then it happened. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards became so afraid that they shook and they became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, Jesus said. And the women came to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshiped him. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, this Jesus, this Yeshua, he is the salvation that belongs to the Lord. This Jesus was crucified for your sins and for mine. And he was stuck in a tomb for three days and three nights. 
And just as the fish vomited Jonah out of his system after three days and three nights, so he was able to come out of the tomb in order to bring new life, not just to the people of Nineveh, but to all of us. This is the greatest event in the history of the world. Everything, everything hinges on this story. Everything, everything hinges on this story. Everything in your life and in mine is affected by this story. The Apostle Paul says this about this grand event. Go to the next slide. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching, our teaching, our singing, our prayers, our life group, my job, anything campus ministry related, it's all worthless. It's all useless, pointless, futile. If Christ has not been raised, all of this is a waste of your time and mine. Paul continues, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Amen? Amen. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus is our only hope. It's our hope for a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a hundredth chance, because God knows I need that hundredth chance. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we get these second chances. And we are given an opportunity for new life. The empty tomb, to me, is a sign of hope. Hope in the midst of despair, whatever that might look like. Hope in the midst of sickness. Hope in the midst of unknown anxiety over the future. Hope in the midst of whatever it is. No matter how difficult the journey is that you are on. There's hope. There's hope. Because the tomb is empty. For salvation belongs to the Lord. Pray with me. God, we give you thanks for the gift of life. For the gift of your word. For your servant Jonah and for the ways that he... uh, screwed up and ran away from you in the ways that that can resonate with our lives. Forgive us for the ways that we have run away from you or ignored the things that you might be calling us to do or the people you're calling us to go to. Thank you for giving Jonah several chances to get it right. And please be gracious enough and merciful enough to to me and to my friends in this room because we know that we are going to screw it up again and again and again, and we need that other chance. But most of all tonight, God, we are thankful for Jesus. For we know that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And we know that this is the greatest hope 
for the entire world. And so help us to know how to go like the women did. To go afraid yet filled with joy, knowing that we have the greatest news in the world. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.